Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 1, Episode 15. In the show, we like to visit the places of your Irish ancestors and bring their stories to life. Before we start, do remember any resources or references we mention in this episode can be found in the show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 115. Well, that's the housekeeping out of the way. Have you ever wondered how important events in history were brought to people's attention before cameras, videos, indeed even before some people were able to read or write? Well, today's letters look at this very question. And I'll give you a clue, the arts feature majorly in both tales. Our stories go on to show the power of a special painting and a unique sculpture in bringing catastrophic news to people's attention and making them aware of the goings-on in the wider world at a time when many never really ventured beyond their own parish or neighbourhood. So today's show, we're going to look at the special place of the arts in reminding us of a pivotal time in the life of our ancestors. In the first letter, we hear the story of a talented Cork artist and one painting of his in particular that highlighted a period in history that should never be forgotten. I wonder if you know of what period I speak of. It is, of course, the Irish famine on Gartha Moor of 1845. We then move on to the second letter where we chat about a special piece of sculpture made recently, that embodies one nation's care for another during these difficult famine years. Have I piqued your interest? Would you like to hear more? I hope so. So let's start with our first letter entitled One View of Beauty and Tragedy. The artist that we meet in today's letter has a particular name that's found all over Ireland and Scotland. Perhaps you have it even in your own family. Seeing as we are now read by so many readers all over the world, today's choice of word and name seems very appropriate. You see, the Irish word for a world is down. And as you might expect, this word made its way into a few of the very early Irish first names. The most obvious is Donal or Donal, which loosely translates as ruler of the world. Now, isn't that a great start for a parent to give their child? As surnames got going in Ireland and Scotland, different families took on the title of MacDonnell, spelt M-A-C-D-H-O-M-H-N-A-I-L-L. So that meant being Mac, the sons of Donnell, or O'Donnell, the son, descendants of Donnell, the Donnell in question being an illustrious ancestor. Even today, the first name, Donnell, and the surnames associated with it are to be found around many parts of Ireland and Scotland. In Scotland, it's mostly become anglicised as Donald, while MacDonald has mostly become MacDonald and MacConnell. In Ireland, the first name Donald 
is also spelt Donal, D-O-N-A-L, but it's mostly anglicized as Daniel, while the surnames have become MacDonald, MacDonald, and O'Donnell over time. Now, maybe you have some of these names in your own family tree. Right, enough background, I hear you say, and on with the story. The Artistry of Daniel MacDonald. Just last week, I received the following introduction from Mary Marsh. Hello from Ohio in the US, she says. The only Irish surname in my family is MacDonald, purportedly from County Cork. John MacDonald arrived in the US sometime prior to 1866, the year his daughter, my grandmother, was born. I haven't been looking into John's past very hard or for very long, but US records on him are pretty skimpy. We are tentatively planning a trip to Ireland in June, and we're hoping to get to Cork among other destinations. And she signs off with, Glad I found you, Mary. Well, very nice to meet you too, Mary, and I'm sure you'll have a wonderful trip to Ireland next year. When I hear of McDonald's from Cork, My mind often goes towards one Cork man of that name in particular, a man by the name of Daniel MacDonald. Maybe you've heard of him. Well, let me tell you more about this wonderful man. Daniel MacDonald's father, James, arrived in Cork sometime in the early 1800s. Coming from the Isle of Skye in Scotland, he met and married a local Cork woman by the name of Catherine McCarthy. They moved into the city, into Cork City, where they had four children together. Being an artist, James immersed himself in the artistic community of Cork. So I guess it's not surprising that they ended up with two artists among their own children, Jane and Daniel. For now, let us follow in the footsteps of their son, Daniel. Daniel MacDonald made his public debut as an artist at the age of 13, and by the time he was 20, he was contributing to major exhibitions in the Cork area. However, London called for such a novice talent, and the entire family migrated there in the mid-1840s to increase Daniel's exposure and chances of patronage. Now, this move proved a great success for Daniel, and he was in demand for portraiture among the elite and royalty of the London set. So, with such fame, you might have expected Daniel to leave his memories of Ireland behind, concentrating instead on his own glittering artistic career. But no, he didn't forget his home in Ireland. He exhibited one of his paintings on the famine called An Irish Peasant Family Discovering the Blight of Their Store in London in 1847. This was at the height of the famine or the great hunger in Ireland, but it was not a subject that was talked about, much less painted, in polite society. MacDonald probably took a great risk painting such a visceral picture at the height of his career, and its presentation from an eminent artist placed it into the conversation about the Irish problem among the governing classes in England. Now, for me, the painting captures the moment of realisation, a real nightmare scenario, when you find that your entire crop has failed, maybe for the second year in a row. 
somehow Daniel had the sense and the compassion to realize this personal and horrific experience should be captured on canvas. The scene shows an extended family in a beautiful autumn setting checking the potato crop and their expressions tell us so much. From that moment, there starts a slow, horrific descent into starvation, disease and immigration for not just that family depicted, but hundreds of thousands of our ancestors. From the moment illustrated in the painting, the population of the island of Ireland almost halved from 8 million people to just over 4 million by 1901. Daniel MacDonald had used his art to capture a pivotal moment and communicate this new reality. MacDonald produced many paintings from a young age. Most are still probably in private hands. However, while he left us early in life, dying of fever in London in 1853 at the age of 33, his paintings, of, and especially his painting of the Irish peasant family, discovering the blight of their store of potatoes, will never be forgotten. So Mary, I hope you enjoyed that story of just one MacDonald family who lived in Cork, maybe at the same time as your own MacDonalds. Thank you very much, Mary, for sharing your introduction and giving us the opportunity to chat about the MacDonalds. And so that brings us to the end of our first letter. I hope you do get someday a chance to see that special painting by Daniel MacDonald. Isn't it true nowadays we're used to seeing famine and war reported on the TV and the images help us to understand the real misery of some people in unlucky or unfortunate parts of the world? However, like our first story, our second letter today goes back also to a time before such pictures were available to people. Most times, the reports never moved beyond their locality. Once in a while, however, the situation was of such a magnitude that the devastating news moved beyond borders and sometimes caused the most unlikely of reactions. Would you like to know what that unlikely reaction was? And who was it that was moved to action? Well, listen on and all will be revealed in our second letter, which is entitled... A Walk Along the Trail of Tears One Journey to See a Sculpture Just last summer, Gerard Miller, who's one of our Green Room members, left his native Tennessee for a long-awaited first trip to Ireland. He had an ambitious schedule, but he was sure of one thing, and that is he had a specific part of Ireland he definitely wanted to see. So here we continue the story in Gerard's own words. My maternal great-grandfather was John O'Reilly, living from 1850 to 1904. While he was born in Savannah, Georgia, his father James O'Reilly, living 1820 to 1899, was born in Dublin, Ireland. John married my great-grandmother Mary Catherine Harkins, who was half Choctaw, Native American. The reason I mention this is because I understand that a sculpture was recently dedicated in Middleton, County Cork, Ireland, which was commissioned in 2015 to commemorate the kindness of the Choctaws to the Irish in the 1840s famine. The sculpture is entitled Kindred Spirits. In honour of my own joint Irish Choctaw heritage, 
I am planning on trying to visit this sculpture during the one day that I will have in County Cork. Signed, Gerard Miller. Now, a few weeks back, Mike and I headed to Middleton to view the sculpture for ourselves. It was well worth the visit. It's a beautiful piece with nine steel eagle feathers fanning outwards and upwards to form the shape of a bowl. A beautiful piece, but commemorating the connections between two people, peoples who underwent immense hardship during the mid-1800s. Let's delve deeper into the Native American story and see why they felt the Irish to be of kindred spirit and fellow sufferers. A walk along the Trail of Tears. Up until the 1830s, the Native American Choctaw had their traditional lands in the southeastern part of the United States. The Indian Removal Act of 1830 looked to forcibly clear them from these desirable lands and resettled them in what is now Oklahoma. While about 5,000 Choctaws remained in the southeast of the US, about 21,000 took the long journey along what later became known as the Trail of Tears. Of these, many thousands died of malnutrition and disease on that trail. This experience must have made a huge impact on the collective psyche of the Choctaw people. In 1847, a few short years later, and on the other side of the world, Irish people were starving in their millions, following a succession of potato crop failures. The scale of this catastrophe was such that reports spread to all corners of the world. One such report was read out by an Irish chaplain to a group of Choctaw leaders. The situation of the Irish must have resonated with their own recent tragic experiences as they decided there and then to raise money to send to Ireland for famine relief. Now, isn't it really true that the most meaningful gestures come from those with so little to give? This gesture was never forgotten, and down through the years, activists here in Ireland and the Choctaw Nation remained in touch. In 1990, a number of Choctaw leaders took part in the first annual Duloc Famine Memorial Walk in County Mayo. This recreated an infamous walk that took place in 1848, when many of the locals were dying from disease and malnutrition. In 1992, an Irish group joined the Choctaw for a commemorative walk from Oklahoma to Mississippi. For many years, the gift of the Choctaw to the people of Ireland was remembered on a plaque in Dublin that read, Their humanity calls us to remember the millions of human beings throughout our world today who die of hunger and hunger-related illness in a world of plenty. Now these words have been joined by a beautiful sculpture in the town of Middleton. The sculptor, Alex Pentex, says of his own work, By creating an empty bowl, symbolic of the Great Irish Famine, formed from the seemingly fragile and rounded-shaped eagle feathers used in the Choctaw ceremonial dress, it is my aim to communicate the tenderness and warmth of the Choctaw nation who provided food to the hungry when they themselves were still recovering from their own tragic recent past. 
and we think he has crafted a beautiful memorial bent around one gesture of great empathy and kindness. How about you? Are you familiar with this link between the Choctaw and the Irish peoples? As for Gerald, he arrived in Cork and he travelled to see the sculpture accompanied actually by one of our own Green Room members. He also had the trip of a lifetime. And do you know what, Gerald? We are delighted for you, our American Choctaw Irish friend. Thank you for sharing your story and reminding us that we do indeed live in the shelter of each other, or as we say in Irish, our sco akela avaramid. So there you have it. The connection of art to pivotal times in our history and these memorials, the famine painting and the wonderful Choctaw Feather Memorial, keep the memory of the events fresh in our minds many, many years later. I'm reminded too, you know, of the memorials that Mike and I visited as we followed in the footsteps of our ancestors when we were in Canada there recently. I remember particularly the Black Rock in Montreal and the famine statues in Toronto, solid, poignant reminders of our shared Irish heritage and past. How about yourself? Do you have a special photo or piece that reminds you of hard times that you and your family have overcome? I know that we have a lovely piece of glass on our shelf that connects us all in my family in a special way, and perhaps you too have something similar. Well, that's it for this week. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the Letter from Ireland show, where we bring your Irish ancestry to life. Oh, and before I go, and if you are an animal lover, I think you will find next week's show of great interest. And that's all I'll say. Finally, remember, the show notes for this podcast are available at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 115. Just before we go, thanks again for listening. And if you have enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we invite you to check out our special membership area called The Green Room. You can find full details of The Green Room at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. And remember there, green room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me. And I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina.